Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from 10 to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. And remember to save the date. The next edition of Vinitali will be held from the 2nd to the 5th of April 2023. Thanks for tuning into my new show, Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. I'm Steve Ray, author of the book, How to Get U.S. Market Ready. And in my previous podcast, I shared some of the lessons I've learned from 30 years in the wine and spirits business, helping brands enter and grow in the U.S. market. This series will be dedicated to the personalities who have been working in the Italian wine sector in the U.S., their experiences, challenges, and personal stories. I'll uncover the roads that they walked, shedding light on current trends, business strategies, and their unique brands. So, thanks for listening in, and let's get to the interview. Hi, this is Steve Ray, and welcome to this week's edition of Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. I'm pleased to have as a guest this week Giovanni Battista from the Consorzio Montecucco. And uh, Giovanni, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. I'm pleased to be here. So the big question I asked when somebody had recommended that I interviewed you is, is what's Montecucco and where is it? Montecucco is a small wine region which is in southwest uh, of Tuscany, not far from the Tyrrhenian Sea, but even close to an old uh, extinguished volcano called Amiata, and it's actually a mountain, a quiet mountain, not dangerous like other volcanoes. And this is what characterizes our region. We are in the middle between the mountain and the sea. This makes our region particular in the climate uh, condition. And um, we are just, uh, to better realize where we are, we are just south of uh, the famous region of Brunello di Montalcino. And there is just a river that is the borderline between Montecucco region and Brunello region. And the river is the Orcia river, which is very famous for the Val d'Orcia region. So we are at the end of the Val d'Orcia stars, our region, and then closer to the sea. So my question would be, I think, as a lot of Americans would be, well, if you're that close to uh, the Montalcino area, I've been to Montalcino and I'm probably a lot of my listeners have as, as well. What differentiates you from that region and that clone and the type of wines that you're making in Montecucco? Well, we can speak about similarities, then differences. The, 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 the most important uh, thing that keep us very similar to Brunello is the, the grape, Sangiovese. It's the same kind of grape that is in Brunello, Sangiovese Grosso. So this is the mainly, we cultivate it since centuries, even if our wine region is a young wine region recognized but uh, the cultivation of Sangiovese in our region comes from the Middle Age, so it's a very long time. Then the differences can be by the climate, because uh, uh, compared to Brunello, Brunello is more inside Tuscany. We are closer to the sea. You must think that our region uh, is bigger than Brunello region. It covers seven towns, so that we start from the real close part of the mountain, uh, until uh, we arrive not so far from the Tyrrhenian Sea. We don't arrive to Tyrrhenian Sea, but not so far. So also the climate condition make difference between uh, our wines and uh, Brunello's wines. Okay, and you have a 
you have a history of the region that I think is fascinating. I'm, I'm interested in um, historic Europe and the idea that it was uh, originally Etruscan. You've got these uh, preserved ancient villages uh, and it's been settled for a very long time by the, the Etruscans, the Romans, the Lombards, and so on and so forth, uh, including the Medici. Talk a little bit about the kind of the historic. Well, the historical origin is very old, also in cultivating the vineyards. As you were telling, there were Etruscans and Romans. Consider that I had a personal experience because I wanted to visit uh, an archaeological local site which was making studies about uh, a farm in the region, Roman farm in the region. And they found uh, a sort of uh, circular hole, which was, you know, in uh, Coccio Pesto, so was... Uh, the typical uh, way of Romans building, and it was impermeable side. So they didn't understand what was that. And in the truth, visiting that place, I told them, to the archaeologists, I told them, I think that this could be a typical container, wine container, where they could ferment, but also where they could uh, keep the wine. And it was underground, no? So like... Uh, in Georgia, they used to do, they still do. So, and uh, the funny thing was that after some months, uh, the archaeologists brought me and they say that they found uh, some uh, chemical elements that were typically of wine and grape. So we have an old history which uh, starts from there. And then in the Middle Age, we had a big develop by, you know, very important families like Aldo Brandeschi, uh, like uh, Piccolomini, who settled down with their castles. So the region is really full of beautiful castles that could be visited by visitors if you come in our region. And then in the modernity, we started uh, in 98 with the, the DOC, Montecucco, and so with the modern approach to winemaking, which was anyway already done, not officially in Montecucco, but there were like some wineries that were producing since uh, years uh, the, the the wines from this region. So the tradition was maintained during the centuries. I think it's interesting that if you go back in history, of course, natural wine was the only way that they made wine. It was long before they understood fermentation and yeast and, and really why, how wine became alcohol. And now in this modern era, you guys are have made a significant, I'm sure, investment, but um, a commitment to using sustainable farming practices and some biodynamic and organic producers. So uh, beyond just the historical 2,000 years of having produced it that way, tell us more about why in modern winemaking uh, you guys are uh, moving in that direction. First of all, is the, you know, the, the, because the condition of our region is still that is very preserved. So it was not industrialized at all, but also agriculture was typical agriculture from family. So not intensive, not strong agriculture. We still have many, many parts of our region that are covered by woods. So you can find the wineries or you can find farms that are surrounded by woods. This helped us to maintain an agriculture which was respectful of the environment and uh, this allowed us to be allowed us to start with the organic which is which represents for us a big production consider that 85% of montecucco sangiovese bottles they are 
certified organic on the back label. 85% is a big, big, probably it's the biggest in Tuscany and one of the biggest in Italy. So sustainable because we don't pollute and we have, you know, we have respect, but we also use technologies. There was an association of wineries which decided to use eye technology to uh, understand in which moment we had to spray the vineyards by using the satellites, using, you know, the modern system to understand which was the best. And this was a good system also to, to reduce uh, the quantity of copper that, as you know, it's a, a metal that could give some problems, but that is necessary in organic agriculture. By that, uh, we had a nice and interesting uh, result. So by that, we had a very good result. I, I think that's amazing, you know, when, when you think about the whole circle of life and uh, around 2,000 years and <laughs> we're all coming back to the way that uh, they made wine way back when in Etruscan time. So here you are uh, a river away or bordered from Brunello, which gets a, a significant awareness in the U.S., uh, gets a, a, a very high retail price, uh, wines that are known for aging and, and not being released for you know five to six years um, after they're produced. Give us some of the stats about uh, Montecucco as the consortium, the number of hectares, bottles, and, and so on and so forth. And then the last question of that, I'm getting ahead of myself here, is where are you in terms of retail pricing? As I told you, Montecucco, it's a big region compared to Brunello and Montalcino, but we have about 800 hectares of production, which potentially it's about 3 million bottles, but actually produce about 1.2 million, 1.5 million bottles. Consider also that to make quality, Montecucco decided that in the Montecucco DOCG, we, we cannot produce more than 70 tons of grapes per hectare, so 7,000 kilos per hectare. This is the maximum, which is the lowest production in Italy. That's interesting. So this is why we also don't have a big production of bottles, because we start from quality. And Montecucco Sangiovese, as you know, is DOCG, is the top quality of Montecucco. Then we also have Montecucco DOC, which is uh, different, because in, in DOCG we have 90% Sangiovese and 10 other grapes, but many of these are 100% Sangiovese. In Montecucco Rosso DOC, we can also have a minimum of 60% of Sangiovese. So it can be, you can produce different wines in this way. More flexibility, more difference, and, and changes into what um, the Super Tuscans did. And also the number of members is about 70 members of the Consorzio Montecucco. So it's a, a good number considering the, you know, the the dimension of our denomination and the number of the total producers. So this is also significant for us. And uh, about the export in the United States, I could say that uh, 15 to 20% of the bottles are exported in the United States. And, and what markets would people be able to find Montecucco wines reasonably easily? Uh, you can find in, uh, in more states, uh, considering that uh, there are um, there are about, I can tell you about the five, six wineries that are present in uh, in the uh, United States. The first, the biggest one is Colle Massari, then Basile, uh, Impostino, Poggio Stenti, Parmoleto. These are the more significant. So you can find, naturally, the main market is New York, New Jersey, 
Then you can find it in Illinois, in Florida, in California, in Colorado, in DC, in Georgia, in Virginia, in West Virginia, Washington, North Carolina, and South Carolina. These are the states where you can find uh, our labels. One of the things that always comes up, and in fact, it's the first question a lot of um, export producers get when they talk to somebody in the US is, um, do you have scores? Now, we can talk about whether scores are good or bad or useful or not useful till we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you guys have been getting really good scores um, and reviews by major entities like Venus, James Suckling, wine enthusiast, Ambero Rosso, Trey Bicchieri. Do you guys have a philosophy on you know what competitions you enter and how relevant those are to the U.S. market? Those are two separate questions. Well, this is very significant. And uh, thanks to Colangelo, we had the opportunity to make taste our wines, which was not easy. As uh, as you know, we should be at least distributed in the total United States to, to be tasted by the major critics uh, in the truth, uh, we were when we had the opportunity, they really appreciated our our wines. So this gives us a good uh, positivity, if I can say this. I mean, I'm really fiducioso. I really trust that uh, we can go on with a with a good job uh, and also um, making taste our wines to the the major critics, which is very important, for, not only for United States market, but as you know, also for the monopolies, Canadian monopolies or North Europe monopolies, which really uh, follow this kind of information and this kind of uh, good ratings. Okay. So you had mentioned Colangelo. Colangelo, for the benefit of um, our listeners, is a PR agency that specializes in uh, both consumer and also trade marketing in the U.S., and particularly for Italian consorti and, and also producers. I get the sense that somebody made a decision in management at the consortio that we need to get serious about the U.S. and start spending money in the U.S. and hiring somebody who knows what they're doing to help get visibility in the U.S. Can you tell us how that all came about because there's you know i there's so many consortia in 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 italy and many of them doing different things but not everybody doing the right things in the right place at the right time in the right order you guys seem to have gotten there uh certainly gotten my attention can you talk about how that all came about mainly we made some experience uh, that were so and so before we met colangelo because the idea was to come make an event and then to you know, to make our producer meet uh, the trade, uh, to meet journalists, but it was a spot. It was something that didn't work. The, we started to work with Colangelo because there was, a, you know, a project. So a project in which there was communication all the year, and it, it is for more years. And, and since it's going from more years, this is helping us to be known more and more in the United States market. We know that we are small. We know that it's not easy to, to, to understand what is Montecucco, who is Montecucco, where we are. But um, drop by drop, step by step, I, I think that this partnership with Colangelo is working well because more and more uh, we find uh, a significant uh, 
articles about us and so the consumer start to know and to understand what is Montegucco. We didn't speak about, uh, I don't know if it's, if you want to speak about it, but also Forbes at the beginning of the year uh, as um, in some ways when there was a question they did to various critics and uh, one critic spoke about Montecucco as the wine to drink in uh, 2022. So for us was, you know, very important. A small, uh, a small uh, appellation like Montecucco was the only Italian uh, region uh, citata. So a small uh, region as Montecucco was the only, uh, the only one Italian mentioned uh, in the Forbes article as the wine to be drink in 2022. Which is great. Okay, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some U.S. marketing questions. If you were to describe or define Montecucco wines to someone who is not familiar with them in the U.S., A, question is, what would you say? And B, what would you use as a point of reference not so that you can say, you know, we're not Brunello or we're different than or we're similar to Brunello, but how would you define your product in a way that Americans would understand and recognize it as something unique, different and special? It's a it's a different Sangiovese because in some ways, when we decided to produce a Montecucco Rosso and Montecucco Sangiovese, we decided to make also two different wines. Now, one easier to drink... Uh, more approachable, um, drinkable also by the glass. And another one more structured, more more important also by the aging, we decided to give to the wine. But the, I think the big point of Montecucco is also that uh, you can buy a bottle of Montecucco with a good paying the right price. So there is a good uh, quality price relation with our wines, which are considered generally, so it's not me, telling this, but in general, they're considered good at the right price. So the right price for the American market, most Brunellos are going to be, you know, $39 and up per bottle. I'm thinking of Caparzo, which is probably one of the more prominent ones. One actually we used to import, a company I used to work for. And it looks to me by looking at Wine Searcher, you're more in the $20 to $25 range for the, the five, six brands that are brought in. Is that correct? With, with Rosso, with Rosso that are the cheaper ones, you can also find about $15. And then probably the most expensive are the Reserva that you can find from $30 to $40 more or less. Okay. And which I think are absolutely fabulous prices for wines that have that level of structure, power. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're super high alcohol, but that, you know, they're they're in that range of wines that make a statement. This is not just easy drinking, you know, Bartolino or, you know, or Beaujolais or something like that. They are wines that have a structure, even in Montegucco Rosso, but they are, you know, easily drinkable. If somebody in the trade wants to find out more about your products, how would they go about doing that? Are you guys attending or exhibiting at any trade shows? In the U.S., you uh, have a U.S. trade event, I think, coming up in May. I presume you'll be at Vinitaly. But but how could Americans in the trade taste these wines and learn more about them? We don't have as consortium trade events in the United States. We have, uh, you know, the Vinitaly, the Provine, so normally for uh, trade, which imports, not not for Oreca. But uh, it's also, if you speak about consumers, consumers can find the... our whites in restaurants, in wine shops, and uh, on-premise and off-premise. 
And also online, I think many of our distributors uh, sell our labels on online, on internet, uh, e-commerce. If someone were going to be looking them up, would they look them up as Montecuco or would they look them up under the brand name? How would we know that it's Montecuco wine? Well, I, I can tell you, uh, my personal my personal experience was, at the beginning was the brand. I, I, I don't own a, a big brand. I don't own a famous brand. But the beginning was working the brand. But then more and more uh, was recognized also the Montecucco region. So it's, uh, it's something that uh, at the beginning started by the work of the single wineries. But then we see that the... You know the uh, international market, not only United States, is searching for more and more for the region too. Um, and who are the top importers? Who are the primary importers that handle the wines? Uh, the primary are um, Winebow. You mean the name of the companies which uh, Winebow? Then uh, there is Golden Ram, and then because because only Colle Massari as a national importer. So the one that are more known are naturally Winebow. But like anything else in the U.S., when you're trying to find a specialty product, uh, you can look in sources like uh, 750. 750, yes. 750 is really used. Uh... So you can do seek out who the importer is in, in any given market. So we've covered a lot of ground here, both literally and figuratively. Uh, we're in Tuscany, which is kind of a wonderful thing to be thinking about. What's the big takeaway that someone listening to this uh, conversation would have about Montecuco and how to think about it? based on some of the things we talked about what what I think it's uh, what what is important to transmit is uh, just to say that uh, if you take a bottle of Montecucco you drink a different Toscana so just if you go to the shop and buy or just if you go to the restaurant you drink another Toscana and you have another uh, idea of what is Toscana so don't drink always the same brands, don't drink always the same regions, drink something different. I think that uh, drinking Montecucco, people will discover something different. I love that. I love that phrase, you know, because when you think of Tuscany, here in America, you know, we have this image of, you know, this beautiful countryside and the wines that come from it. But, but even though so much of... Uh, Tuscan wine is based on Sangiovese. The styles uh, of those wines can vary all the way from everything from Brunello, of course, to uh, Super Tuscans, to um, you know Maremma and Bulgari and the Siena area, and then Florence. All have different styles. All have different um, groups promoting them, and there's a lot to discover within the range of quote unquote Tuscan wines. Would that be an accurate uh, description? It's a journey, right? There's a lot of land and culture and style uh, that happens in Tuscany, and it's more than just one thing. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's kind of the way I think about it. Yeah, no, but you're right. And it's not only Tuscany, it's Italy that it's a lot of different uh, styles and and things and, and wines. Yeah, just as a point of reference, I've seen a lot of different numbers, but somewhere around five or 600 uh, different indigenous varietals in a country makes Italy, I think, have, have more indigenous varietals and more diversity in wines and wine styles and certainly wine-growing regions from north to south in different um, climate conditions and so forth. There's a lot to be discovered. And uh, this is one of the enjoyable things of, of the industry. I was not aware of it, but I look forward to tasting Montecucco wines. And I'll be at the show in Verona 
next month, and I'll be looking forward to exploring your region. So I want a big shout out and thank you to uh, Giovanni Battista of uh, Consortio uh, Montecuco. Thank you for joining us this week. Thank you, Steve. And I want to say uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with another interesting edition of Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People on the Italian Wine Podcast. This is Steve Ray signing off for this week, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Save the date, the next edition of Vinitali will be held the 2nd through the 5th of April 2023. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Cin cin! guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.